You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, you're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And our home can be found at dandevall.com, where you will find a simple offering. Number one, we have merch, where you can get shirts and mugs and sandals, flip-flops, and all kinds of different things, hats, bibs for your babies with great sayings like, I was not here to be bullied by a defeated kingdom, the Names of God series, super cool stuff. You can also become a podcast patron at dandevall.com and link to our podcast on different networks. You will also find a way to become a uh, 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 involved in the Overcomer Accelerated Project, which is our attempt at training those that are on a healing journey. We have a pilot program starting for those of you that have already applied. You did not miss anything. I do apologize. And we have been working hard at getting this thing launched and launched right. But for those of you that are waiting for more news about how to pay and everything else that's coming real soon. And you'll be getting emails about that. So we have one other announcement that I want to make. And if you haven't heard, uh, Bride Ministries is acquiring land. That's right. We made a big announcement at the Bride Ministries Church not too long ago. And now we're repeating the message. Bride Ministries Church is going to be obtaining a nearly eight and a half acre piece of land. It has an existing house on it that we are going to be uh, using as a parsonage and a um, connected three-car garage with a nice apartment on top of it. And with all of this land, we are going to be creating the Bride Ministries campus. We're going to be putting the church there, among other things. This particular piece of land is not too far from where we've been meeting uh, for the Bride Ministries Church here in Katy, Texas, about 60 minutes from the Houston airport and 45 minutes from downtown shopping. This land happens to be right across the street from a new community development called Sunterra, which is being developed. It's going to be a 3,000 home master plan community. And so we're going to be reaching this community uh, uh, locally while serving our internet and a vast family of bride tribers around the world. So, uh, 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 but we are really excited because this is an opportunity to be kind of first in the area. A lot of new people moving from all over the country and we are going to be literally right across the street. And if you see the, the, the slides that I'm moving through, if you are watching this on YouTube, that little blue box right across the street from this massive master plan development, that's going to be us. And so the, the cool thing about this particular housing place, they, they, they have a vision for really nice homes. They're going to build a lagoon, which is a unique development item. It's going to have a sandy beachfront. So cool. And of course, we'll be right across the street. So our plan is to enjoy house church in the parsonage on the land until we finish building what will be a 16,000 square foot metal building that will include a daycare, a workout fitness area, and holistic wellness services. 
So we, we, we are going to be laying the building out to facilitate all of that, plus a nice sized auditorium for our church meetings. So cool. We're going to move trainings into there. We're going to have um, conferencing areas, ministry rooms, offices, the whole bit. We then plan in a second phase to uh, get into a house survivor housing pilot program using the house that will now not be serving that the, the purpose of meeting and um, developing a training center in the back area. And, and then in a phase three build, we, we want to create a little storefront strip mall on uh, the other side of the property that serves the community right across the street with things like a coffee shop, maybe a bookstore, maybe a little ice cream spot, or I don't know, something that gets people on the church land where we believe they're going to be encountering angels and Jesus and, well, bride tribers in Jesus' name. So that's the exciting vision we are believing God for $3 million. And if you would like to sow into the vision for the land and what we're going to be doing at Bride Ministries, you can always scoot over to bridemovement.com. But remember, this podcast is no longer supported by Bride Ministries, but we do support Bride Ministries. Okay. With that said, we're going to get right to it. See you on the other side. Those were your announcements. Well, friends, it is another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and I'm, I'm sitting down today with a new friend, and her name is Morgan, and she has been on a healing journey with one of our coaches, BrideMovement.com, and, and his name is Andrew, and uh, she has just been a pleasure to get to know in the short amount of time we've been chatting before this interview. She is a survivor of a whole lot of stuff we're going to be learning about today, and uh, she's here to share her testimony. Morgan, it's, it's so good to have you. It's a blessing to be here, Dan, as I told you earlier. It's bride that brought me out of the bondage. So I am forever grateful to you and to Andrew. Your prayers are just exquisite. And, um, and I did mention my prayers are leather bound at this point because of how much damage I'm doing to the pages. Oh my gosh. You know, so folks, I, I did this thing where I told the coaches on, on, on the platform uh, at coach.bridemovement.com. I said, friends, it, I'm, I've interviewed a lot of the people I've personally helped. But if you have clients that are ready to share their testimony, and they're doing some great work with you send them over, send them my way. And, and so Morgan is one of the first that got forwarded and uh, look friends online. Uh, there will be more to come over time. In fact, some of you may be thinking, Oh, I'm going to tell my coach, I'm ready to share my testimony too. I love it. Uh, so, so, so Morgan, we're going to start here. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about your journey to Jesus, uh, how you got saved and then how you got to memories beginning to unpack to you? That's a really great question. The short version is it started with a healing journey for myself of being diagnosed with three different types of cancer and given two months to live. And that was 25 years ago. And um, I went home to die. 
I didn't have a belief in God at that point um, because although raised Catholic and not remembering my childhood, I was sexually molested by our priest, like the other kids were. <laughs> so back to, I end up with this cancer and I don't know where from and why, and I have two months to live and two months, whether I had chemo or two months, whether I did nothing. And I went home to die and all of a sudden everything got bright. And who I feel is God at this point just started speaking to me. Everything was just so bright. It wasn't even a color. And God told me I was healed. And um, I was gonna go out and start helping others. So that's 25 years ago and that was a, arduous journey mm-hmm. of, imagine but beautiful in the respect of seeing gorgeous things happen people walk out of wheelchairs and things like that within days of this happening and i don't even know what that meant i didn't know what any of that was the interesting part was i still was under such heavy attack and bondage and everything else and had no idea why with all the good I thought I was doing, why did I always feel so heavy and why was everything so challenging and difficult? So, so wait forward. a minute, I, I have to, I have to zero in on this. This, yeah. is good. this is really good because, so you're telling me you got saved and, and pretty soon after that, God has you moving in like the gifts of healings. Within miracles, 24 hours. Whoa. And then you say like the constant attack. Now I want to, I want to let you describe what that meant for you. What, what constant attack? Of course I could define it differently these days of what that is, Yes. but sickness, fatigue, illness, you know, people, I'm watching people have miraculous healings and I'm wasted. I'm, I'm exhausted. This is so difficult. My life wasn't working. I went through relationships. Nothing was there to support me. I never felt like I had a foundation. I didn't have anyone around me that I could trust. And I didn't even know what that meant, but I just didn't trust anyone. And it just felt like everything was a failure, except my work that I was, the healing work that I was doing which is interesting, mm-hmm. but to fast forward about being saved, Jesus, I knew was part of that because I have seen Jesus in the flesh on more than one occasion in wow. the flesh. He's come to me and spoken to me. And maybe that's another discussion, but to get to answer your question, not always do I see him that way, but I have, and it's just, it, it's, it's mind blowing to me. It, it's very wow. emotional. I think this is a right now discussion. I don't even know Morgan at all. So, so what she's telling me as an interviewer, usually I come prepared. I, I, I've read my guest's book or they, they are my client. And here I am. I'm just like, huh, this is good. So now, now, now Jesus promised to come to his sheep. I mean, he all over the new Testament, like the promises of his presence are there. We're real big on encounter with Jesus. I even have a prayer for it, (laughs) but physically coming, tell me about that. It was more than one occasion. And one of them um, ties into some of the 
you know, the abuse and the craziness, and maybe we'll fast, we'll get to that one later. But one in particular was I was living in, in Europe and um, I was already doing my healing work. Everything was just so hard. And all of a sudden I thought everything was beautiful for one, for once in my life, I thought everything was settled for a bit. Little did I know what was going on behind the scenes, right? And I'm sitting in my garden and he just walks up. Like first he appears and walks up like golden and so just so beautiful, just so beautiful. And he starts to talk to me and I recognize him, you know, because I've, uh, I've heard his voice. I've seen him before, you know, and he says to me, you know, things are really going to change right now. They're really going to change for you. And he said, and you know what? You're going to forget about me. And I said, oh, uh, of course I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and he said, not only will you, he said, but when you remember me again, things will be right. Wow. So um, the very next day, the relationship I was in, not only did the person come up and say, I'm not doing this anymore, but left. And I had to find my way home back to the United States or someplace or whatever. I mean, it was the most amazing, crazy thing. I was devastated. I forgot about my encounter and I forgot about Jesus. And you think when you're sitting there with him, you'll never forget that. You forgot it. It took me a long time afterwards to remember him. But Dan, I put him in a pantheon of the other spirits, guides that are out there and the junk that's out there. You know, I'm in mm. it. I mean, he was part of the Pantheon. And I could do healing where I had this gift, you know, to do this, this amazing stuff. And I would be asking questions in a lot of different places because I also hear very clearly, right? And it wasn't until, so I called the moment that I was really saved and probably the moment that Jesus was actually talking about was when I met Andrew. And, um, you know, and Andrew asked me if, you know, if I had taken Jesus Christ as my savior. And I said, well, of course, you know, but I was kind of like, there's a lot of others going on too. I was really casual about it, you know? And something shifted. I mean, he spoke to me about, very gently, you know, about what were these other things really doing for me? Did I really know who the real Jesus was? Did I, you know, there were so many beautiful things that he said to me. And Dan, like in that moment and through that prayer, I know what prayer you're speaking of, through that prayer, everything changed. Everything changed in that moment, my relationship with him. And immediately, or very shortly afterwards with Andrew, got rid of all my other connections with anyone else. And I still joke about it to this day. And I tell people, why are you doing that when you got the hotline to Jesus? She's got the hotline, man. Go direct. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I did remember Jesus, you know, months after that particular incident. That's many, many years ago. But I think Jesus was really talking about the moment that I would really remember him, you know? So you're in your garden years ago and Jesus physically comes to you, 
squats down, whatever he does, has a chat, says you will forget and you do. But at the time, you said you put him in a pantheon. So so this is interesting. You actually say, I, I assume, the sinner's prayer. And then Jesus goes in a pantheon. And, and you're navigating years of working with other entities, thinking this is just okay the way it is. Okay. Whoa. Because I'm no. seeing, yeah, because I'm seeing miracles. I wasn't questioning them. My goodness. I did find out how the other side can heal. Mm-hmm. I had direct contact. I had direct conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I realized something's wrong here. Something's wrong. Everything was put right. Which is my only one and only. You're seeing miraculous stuff and 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 under the hammer for all these years now now let's let let's fast forward because there's a reason for the hammer that you said you would describe it different now um as i understand it after sitting down with andrew there, there was a few more surprises in store uh, so 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 let's talk about some of those surprises. And I guess, well, let's just start with the new age and the spirit guides, like talk about how that whole thing unpacked and, and, and came to some resolution for you. Um, well, he, he really asked me, he said, like, who helps you with this? And I said, Oh, I have all these spirit guides and you do this, but I do that. He's, and he's like, well, how do you know who they are and what they are? And I never really thought about that. You know, I see so clearly, I would just, whatever. And, and, you know, it was Andrew that guided me to the point, never said do this, never told me to do anything, but it kind of came down to, why would you be doing that when you have Jesus? Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, but I didn't have Jesus in this way. I had Jesus in the lineup. The Jesus that I saw, I had him in the lineup, right? I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, the fact that he still loves me is amazing. It tells you how amazing he is. <laughs> and, um, and, and just like, just one day out of nowhere, and I don't even know if I was on the phone with Andrew or if it was in between, but I came to our session with, it's time to divorce those. I'm done. I'm done with all of them. And all of a sudden, Dan, the chatter in my head, just stopped. Well, just stopped. People received beautiful miracles, but I also had this understanding at that point of what else might they have received? What else might have been going on? I mean, I know Jesus healed me to begin with. He came to me. No one prayed over me. He came to me. I know that he showed up. I know he's shown up other times, which may come up again. And, and saved me from, from stuff. And, and still, I lined them up with everyone. And so I asked him to please be sure that anyone that I'd ever worked with, if there was anything that came through, you know, I think of your prayers now, if there was anything that came through that was damaging to them, I trusted him to heal it all. You know, I trusted him to just be there with that and only rely on him from that point forward. And that's what I did. So 
it was, it was just this amazing decision to say even thank you to whoever was there. Cause I don't know if anybody was trying to be good, bad, what indifferent, I not judging it. I'm just saying, I said, thank you. We're done. Goodbye. That's it. God. Silence. Except for Jesus. So there was more space for Jesus. Wow. And, and that was a big part of my journey to realize how much goes on in our heads. And that's not even talking about the demonic faction, the true, like, you know, seeing them and Lucifer and Satan and all those that show up in all these places that we can talk about as we go along that I've been. And, you know, and, and so my head was always filled. It was always filled, you know, and causing things that didn't, that weren't good in my life, you know? Wow. Okay. So, so, so you divorce the Pantheon and that's yeah. really good news. And, and, and these guys, right. You're, you're interacting with them. It's surface world life. What there's so much that you don't know, because the, as I understand it, Morgan, I mean, you arrive at adulthood and you don't remember anything about your childhood. At 18 years old, you've forgotten your whole childhood. Yes. So uh, now does any of this begin to come up as you are uh, now dialoguing with a, a coach? Yeah, well, it was actually our first session because I had mentioned to you earlier, I came to Andrew, not because I thought I was persecuted. Mm -hmm. I came to Andrew because I heard about your book I bought both of them. I thought they were, I was like, I have to have extreme prayers. I have to have this kind of stuff. And, and I realized that I can only get so far through the book without being activated. And I didn't know what that was. And I wanted that. So I call Andrew, right? I get on with Andrew and I want to know this stuff, you know, and Andrew is just great. And Andrew says to me, you know, did you ever have any satanic ritual abuse? And, and I was like, oh, Andrew, no, like, I don't remember my childhood. Even when I was 18, I couldn't remember up to 17. Like, I, I there's maybe a couple of moments that I remember. And now, Dan, knowing what I do, I don't even know if they were my memories, if they were implanted. But um, I, you know, I said, no, I don't remember anything. I said, but no, I didn't have satanic ritual abuse. He said, okay. <laughs> In Andrew's way, it's just lovely, but I think, okay. He said, well, you know, can we have a little chat with Jesus? And I'm like, oh, I would love to have a chat with Jesus. And there it is. Jesus, maybe he'll show you something. And he did. And all of a sudden, I'm transported back. And I didn't say this earlier, but transported back to two or three years old. I'm laying on a pentagram, and I'm looking up, and there's candles, and there's people in black hoods, and there's they come up with a knife and there's blood on the tip of the knife and they put it in my mouth and then everything started spinning and I don't remember anything anymore. Now I think I've gone crazy because I've just told this to Andrew. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, I've heard things like that before. And I, whoa, whoa. He's like, do you know who was there? I'm like, yeah, I know who was there. I could see their faces. And I could name, you know, I could name who my relatives were that were there and other people. And that was only the beginning of that stuff beginning to open up. But I had to sit with it for a little while and really say, what is this? But it made sense. 
because I knew where it was and how these things happen and how, you know, and all of a sudden I was so much, I was hungry for more. And I've been meeting with Andrew weekly and, um, you know, we began to track other things that I had forgotten. And I started to realize that um, there were drugs involved, which is why I forgot my childhood. There were, there was types of, um, I can't tell you what they were exactly, but I know if they're in my present life or something, I can recognize them like a halcyon or a rohypnol. There's a combination that they give you and you're just gone. And just recently, we went back to about that age again and the same people are there. There's more people. And there's another child laying near me and they keep killing us. And every time they kill us, they bring us back to life. The torture was unbelievable, but they were able to bring us back. And what happened, and the reason it happened is, this is only just recently, every time it would happen, I have memory, I, I found myself up on the ceiling looking down on myself. I was like, well, yeah, or, you know, and then I get sucked back in and here we go again and stabbing and whatever else. So whether it was in the spirit, whether it was in the physical or a combination of all the, the above, but all I know is that the child next to me didn't make it. Wow. And I was the prize because I did. And I think that was the beginning or one of the beginnings of being used and abused and tortured and tormented through not only the satanic ritual abuse at that point, but then through government programs later on in life. Go. Now, now this is, I mean, th but this is how it goes. And, and here's the thing, Morgan, you're, you're not crazy. Now, if you go somewhere else besides broadmovement.com, find a coach somewhere else besides coach.broadmovement.com, th th they'll tell you you're crazy or anyone else and, and, and probably um, help you to your local pharmacy to get some, you know, more drugs, right? Because they, you didn't get enough before. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What the heck is I know. These people? And, and the torture and the memories that I have that were implanted about those things. I now understand the implantations and I don't trust. I trust the memories Jesus gives me, mm -hmm. but I have had over the years excuses for things that have happened and not realize how prevalent and, and how important they were and that it was somebody gave me that explanation. I'll give you another one. I yeah. was um, somehow when I was a child, big memories of being sent away with this man that my parents knew mm -hmm. for a summer. I was like, why? I mean, and in my mind, I was like, oh, he was like another father. And I loved him. I only saw him once. Or I don't know who he was, right? I mean, I have his name and everything, but it's not important. But anyway, I have this. So I say that because I have this intense fear of the dentist. I'm sure a lot of people that have gone through torture have intense fears of dentists and dental chairs. And um, I always believed, and I, my story was that when I was a eight or nine, I had to have teeth removed 
and they put me under, but I never went under. So I was screaming and no one heard me and they were pulling teeth out and doing things. Dan, it isn't until this past year or so that I realized no one ever put me under. No one ever did anything. This was me screaming out loud and people ignoring you like you didn't exist as they're torturing and implanting and pulling and probing and doing things. And I was given a story that I know I didn't have any teeth removed when I was eight or nine years old. I know that now. So, and then was able to ultimately track how they did this, how they took me to I lived in Pennsylvania, they took me to New York and it was a daily deal of take her down to this place where we go down so many stories and floors in an elevator down to this place where there's a room with a dental chair and I'm sure there were probably more than one but I went to the same one and things happened and the torture happened and then you forget and then you come up and the only reason I went with these people was my reward. And see, I didn't understand this at the time. And Andrew helped me with this too. But I, I get to go see the Budweiser horses because I loved horses. So I got a reward. Go to sleep, rinse and repeat for weeks. You know, and what does that do? You know, I mean, what does that do to a person? So those are memories that came, they didn't come back in order like that. They came back in, of course, in different pieces, but oh my, and that's childhood. You know, the stuff that was being done. And um, now this, this, I don't want to throw you off here. No, throw me off. <laughs> but you mentioned different worlds and, and, and this is the thing. Okay. So first of all, your story is not crazy because what's happened to you has happened to people all over the country and all over the world systematically. It, there is a massive network of people involved. Most of them are also dissociated. Most of them are both perpetrators and victims simultaneously and it is being perpetrated on generation after generation after generation under this veil called the false reality overlay. That's what I call it, where we get told by, you know, our mainstream media, what we're allowed to believe in and not believe about what the world is that we live in. And, and, and then it forces this dissociation to be maintained because now if you don't maintain it you're crazy but what you're saying is what people are waking up to all over the place and it's from multiple sources because you have the cults and then you have the government aspect of it now do you think that by this point where you're being taken down in the building in this chair this is already in the government project realm or do you think you're still on the cult level i believe it was a combination of both, but I think it was moving to the government level. And actually, I do believe that Budweiser had something to do with it, the company itself. Sorry to say, but I, I do. And, um, sure. you know, and um, so I believe that we were moving into a completely different realm at that point. And it wasn't until I left home and 
they had mentioned to you that I feel like I've had handlers my whole life, you know? So, so when I left home with the first handler, you know, I started working in, I started working for the government. I was a professional ballerina, Dan. I didn't want to work for the government. I didn't even know how to type. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And all of a sudden I'm working for the government. Crazy, right? How old were you when you began? 22, 23, something like that. 22, 23. My goodness. And I mean, there were things that happened before that, but now we're moving into the government space where I started working for um, Department of Defense um, contractors. I was Mm -hmm. really good at what I did. And I helped them with their proposals for a lot of their systems. And I was paid really good money. I didn't go to school for any of that. Now I'm good at what I do. I'm not going to say I'm not, you know. Why was I paid all that money? And where did the time go that I missed? And some of the people that I work with, which were like four-star generals, et cetera, um, they were the people that once I went to China Lake, were there and part of that you know, the torture and everything, you know, I, I was given a job to go out to China Lake through the companies that I worked for. And I was always a contractor. So I, I go out to China Lake and I was out there for three weeks. Dan, I have zero, I, I, I always had zero memories of it, but I came home with a lot of money or good money, you know, for doing a job that I don't remember. And so when memories were starting to come back, the most, the biggest memory that came back first was being in the hotel room the first night. Three men in hoods came in, in black hoods. I mean, they just love their black hoods, man. You know, so they're in there, they're black hoods, and they come and they hold me down and they get a needle and they're injecting it in my neck. And as they're injecting it, they say, where's your God now? That's the words that they left me with. And then I thought I had no memories after that, except that they have been coming back. And I know I am underground in China Lake. I absolutely know that that's where I'm at. I know that I'm in a room like a bug, you know, where they're above me with their windows and staring down at me, including an archbishop, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, the generals there, an archbishop, I don't know the other people but I certainly recognized some people and, you know, I'm strapped down. I got things on my head. I don't know what they're doing, but I also know that I was transported through the tunnels and memories of that to um, Bohemian Grove from China Lake. And I witnessed a ritual where I know that there was I don't remember a lot of it, but I know there was torture involved. Of course, I wasn't there to participate and have fun. You know what I'm saying? There was torture involved. And, you know, faces I saw there, I recognized, you know, from politics. I didn't know who they were then, but I remembered their faces. And, um, you know, so as these things were coming back to get those dissociated parts, and bring them healing Mm. has been just exquisite, you know? And 
Yeah. Talk uh, our audience through how you experienced that, the, the dissociated parts coming forward and sharing these memories. Yeah. Well, a lot of them, you know, some of them were more just based on what I'm telling you now or the parts that were laying there bound up. But sometimes we found parts that were like underground in these tunnels. And one time there was like three, three thrones and it was Moloch, um, Baal and, um, yeah, I remember right now, Baphomet. And I was like, oh, the trifecta. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're there. And they would take me out of this dissociated part, out of a cage, and they'd let this beast shred me to nothing. And they put you back together, put you in the cage till the next time. And I mean, the pain, the, the fear. So to have Jesus, and again, this is true, Andrew, come in to these hearts that are suffering torture over and over and over again and have him bring healing have him clear the room and bring healing and give him new clothes to wear and and let them know they're safe and we found uh, probably no lie hundreds of parts of dissociated parts i mean it's just not it it wasn't a one-time shot or there were 10 there was there was probably hundreds and I'm sure I haven't gotten all of them yet, but they show up and they show us what's happening. And then the healing begins to occur by calling Jesus in. And it's just, I mean, I know you know all that, but it's just exquisite to me how, you know, how, how that, how that can happen, how you become more whole in those moments and they have less power over you, you know? Of course, I know, <laughs> but the listeners need to hear it said. Okay. I mean, because, you know, yeah. every time I do these podcasts, right, there, there's, there's going to be that person. You know what they're doing? They're listening to this podcast and they're saying, I'm going to find that one Dan Duvall podcast that proves to me without a shadow of a doubt that this guy's nuts and <laughs> I will throw everything out the baby, the bathwater, and go my merry way because I know. And what happens is, thanks to people like you, they keep explaining the situation, the confirmations, the affirmation, the absolutely irrefutable proof that that listener is not making up their own situation lands and they have to go one more route. Say, well, I'm going to try one more of these podcasts. <laughs> I will find it. <laughs> no, you won't, friend. What you will find is Jesus waiting for you with a big bear hug and an invitation to take your own healing journey. That's what you're going to find. But hey, today, we are listening to Morgan tell us how he met her with his bear hug. And, and, and this is the thing. Um, I, I really want to come back to China Lake, you know, so so what what else if anything do you remember from like the 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 pieces of memory that are returning on that subject well in china lake with these electrodes on my head i don't have a lot of memories of that i know there were injections i know there were drugs i know there were electrodes 
but I also have this, I've had this sense and this feeling, and of course, you know, Jesus has walked me through a lot of this, that there was also a connection um, to Antarctica. Mm. And um, that a part of my brain was used for nefarious reasons in Antarctica and powering up a big, because a big crystal sphere. I mean, there were, there were giants there and there's, um, um, you know, these, these reptilian creatures that are there. And, um, but there's so many programs that they're programming us with when, when we had these things on our head, you know, and none of it's for good, you know, it's to use more computer power and, you know, and on um, what I loved most about Jesus coming in is that not only was there him reaching his arms out for me, for the places I had been tortured so horribly, but the shame that would come up when I'd realize I was part of doing things that weren't so good off planet or in Antarctica and other places based on these programs. And I know shame is an open door for them. I don't want to be with that. And then Jesus just comes and says, give it all to me, you know, give it all over. And in that instant, me, those dissociated parts, whether there was one or 10 at a time, they're free. And the feeling is exquisite. And the knowing is exquisite. And I've even had the opportunity to watch a lot of these computer programs just start to fail when they don't have their power sources, which makes you happy. You know, you're kind of like, all right, take that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because as you tell your testimony, uh, and, and you share different things that Jesus has done. I'm almost thinking like, yeah, and that was freedom from artificial intelligence and quantum <laughs> computers, wasn't it? It wasn't it that prayer that did that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. fun. This is so fun. Yeah. So, um. <laughs> Let, let's talk about this though, because now the audience is probably lost. Whoever's listening, what the heck? How did you get from China Lake to Antarctica to computer programs in a crystal sphere that your brain's powering up? So, so, so let's kind of back it up a little bit and kind of slow walk uh, and, and just do your best because I kind of, I, I mean, I, in my mind, I'm mapping. They either did some kind of like. Um, astral superimposition holographic overlay of technology on your body from Antarctica, or they put your whole physical body through a portal or use one of their underground railways like the, but I don't know. So I'm going to let you tell us like what, what was, what do you recollect? Well, certainly the underground railways, sometimes there were the portals. I'm definitely aware of being shifted through portals. There are sometimes, you know, I could travel on the planet and I've done a lot of traveling, even in South America and all over. And I don't know where the portals are in the mountains. I can just know, I can see them, you know, use them. What does it feel like for the physical body 
yours specifically yeah. to go yeah. through and shift through a portal? Well, there's a sound to it. Mm -hmm. There's a sound that is like sheets being shaken in the wind. So it's a rippling sound. There's a intense feeling, almost as if you're fracturing and coming right back together. And then you're where you need to be. But the sound is what always stands out the most for me. I know I've been transported when I hear that sound. So that's one way, that's another way. Another way is they do some kind of splicing in the brain. You know, there's a splicing of the, the etheric body, there's a splicing of the self, of the soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not the spirit, mm -hmm. I can't touch my spirit. Are you kidding me? They're not going there, but the soul. And they can hold that captive or at least they do their best, you know? And um, so the transportation is all of those ways. Sometimes it's just closing your eyes and all of a sudden you're there and you're a different part of yourself. I know that sounds really crazy and, and I, you know, it, but, but it, things move so fast that it's almost like there's so many things going on. Who am I in that moment? Mm -hmm. How many places am I really in that moment? And then what's interesting, Dan, is for me, when, whenever I had a conscious thought of what I just said now, fatigue just sets on. Sure. I've been chronic fatigue my whole life. So fatigue sets in and I'm like, then you don't think about it anymore. In fact, I forget about it. You know, and, and I'm, I'm just in fatigue. Well, that's the program. There you so, go. So they, <laughs> <laughs> they put the program in there, makes you fatigue and you forget. That's the, literally the purpose of that. So, so this is the thing, you know, what you're describing. And so many people need to understand this point. A lot of things that happen to people happen because the dissociated parts that are their own persons are literally trafficked out of the body, whether they're being trafficked after the physical body has been taken to another location, or if they're just laying in their bed, that part is siphoned and it, 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 it might leave because there's a frequency, because there's a visitor, because there's an alien craft outside the window, but right. the, the part is out. And once it's out, if it's on a different plane, like not physical 3D earth, it has its own body. At that point, what happens to that part is it might as well be physical because it's real as all get out. And if it's physical earth plane, sometimes they use clone bodies. Now, I don't know if that connects to your story or not, but I have enough on my desk to substantiate my statement. But, well, let me ask you this question. How do you think your, like the, the science behind what they did with your brain from Antarctica 
America is concerned? Like, how, how do you think they were doing that? I don't know that I have all the answers on that, Dan, at the moment, yeah. but I do know that, that um, part of the government mm-hmm. procedures that they've done on me were to support that. Like that's about the biggest thing I can say is that, and I wasn't the only ones boring who was being used there, you know? And I mean, I have recollections of sitting and not only being hooked to this big central sphere, but being in a room where there's all these controls and I know what to do with the controls. Whoa. Yeah. Well, when Jesus came in, it was fun then to know what to do with the controls. But, you know, before that, you know, <laughs> before that, I, 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 I didn't know. And forgive me if I laugh about this stuff, but I find such great joy in how I've been saved. You know, so the pain was the pain, but the pain's done. The pain, the pain is, is in my world, it's, it's, it's done. You know, they don't get to do that to me anymore, you know? And even if there is more, Jesus is going to handle it. So I'm not worried. But, you know, being in those rooms and being in these places and, and seeing these underground cities, I don't know how I, but like you said, once I'm portaled there, because I know Antarctica has a portal, it had a really big portal, I don't believe it's open any longer. Um, but, you know, this underground city that's there, that they're running stuff out of, I mean, that's my experience and what I saw there. And they use a lot of us to power it up and to do their dirty work. And, you know, as, as, as well as there's other things there that, that they feed off of. And I mean, it's just, it's absolute mayhem and ugliness. In the areas of Antarctica where you were, do you remember if they were speaking German or English or some other language? There was there was German and English, and then the reptilians also spoke their language, but it seemed that everyone there understood everybody else. They didn't need to change their language. Almost like they all had translators sitting in their ears so they could just it felt like that. <laughs> no, because yeah. they, they do, they have the translators, they that like implants, but right. Right. <laughs> so so um the, I want to talk about these reptilians that you were draconians. That's who is there for sure. Yeah. D- did these particular ones do the shape shifting or were they always in their own bodies? These ones, these ones were always in their own bodies. They were assigned there for what it's worth. They were in charge of, of capturing souls. And, you know, so they, they had a machine there that's been put out of order that wasn't good for souls, you know? So I, I'm, I'm speaking very mildly right now, but they definitely did. That's not in order anymore. They're, it doesn't work. So, you know, they can't do what they were doing. But those I never saw shapeshift. They stayed exactly where they were. They were militant. They're absolutely militant and um, nothing. I mean, you look in their eyes, not only was it scary, but there was like nothing. It was like looking into an abyss. Um, Wow. 
you mentioned Bohemian Grove. Now, talk to me a little bit more about some of the memories you recalled from there. I remember a stone altar or a stone used as an altar. I remember many people Some were dressed in black, but some weren't. They were dressed all different ways. They all had jewelry around their necks and these medallions, and, but there was fire everywhere. There were pentagrams on the ground. There was a huge pentagram on the ground, but there were others pentagrams around too. And so much, so much fire, but there were people like myself that would have been ankle cuffed together or tied to a tree or part of my feeling of what they were doing was also trying to call out the spirit and the soul and use it. There was chanting, there was their witchcraft, whatever that might be, because I don't know, you know, but they were calling for power and they were using the people that were there or the captives that were there to take power. That's what, it was less about trying to hurt someone and eat them than it was about, about taking their power and taking things. And I'm not so sure what their, what their goal was with that, but it was, and and just going back, and Moloch was there. I, I didn't see that from that, but I definitely saw Moloch. And uh, what did he look like when he showed up? What was his form? Or was uh, it- he was he was very big, and he had um, it was almost like an Egyptian kind of thing around his head. You know, it was black but he had gold on his face that he had placed there and painted, you know, it was almost like to make him look stronger or whatever. He, he had cuffs of gold on and his fingernails dripped blood. This is personification of evil in my world. And they loved him and they bowed down to him. And if there was a sacrifice there, because I know they, I've seen those before, but at, at, at Bohemian Grove that night, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. But I could have blacked out as well. I don't know. I don't know. Any recollection of how old you were during this particular memory of Bohemian Probably, Grove? yeah, probably around 27. Okay. So quite a while, I'm not 58 right now. So yeah, 31 years, yeah. And it was going on then. And there were some, again, I didn't recognize anyone there until later on seeing them in politics. And then went, man, I know you. I know you. So, you um you mention 
that you were always being handled by handlers from the time you left home. Can you, can you talk us through some of the roles of the handlers in your life? Yes, yes. To make sure that I work in a field where they can access me, you know, and um, to make sure I don't do anything they don't want me to do. They, they end up choosing, and I didn't realize it as I lived it. I can only look back and say, I mean, they choose, if I was going to get a manicure, they're choosing that. They're going to steer you to the right place to go and, and get that so that you're basically always under observation. You know, um, nothing, if, when I look back, it feels as if nothing was led, not only not led by God, but by chance. It was all designed. This is all designed. So the handlers, um, they also had a way of gaining my trust, Dan. Mm -hmm. And then finding ways to just crush that. Now, once you feel like, oh man, doing okay, crush that. Then the devastation sits in. And then I know there's more dis now I know there's more dissociated parts. And at the same time, there's still go stuff going on in the night. There's still stuff happening, you know, with, with you know, being transported places. I mean, it was like being attacked on all levels but I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I just didn't know why. I always felt like the rug was being pulled out from under my feet. Anything I did. I was a successful, this is gonna sound weird, a successful person. Like I'm a eight type personality, man. I get things done and then they fall apart. Everything would fall apart. Relationships, everything, everything. And to me, that's the role that the handlers played and keeping an eye, keeping an eye, knowing what you're doing, leading you to the next, um, leading you to the, the next place. I had one person that I also know as a handler. And um, I'm gonna say this really lightly that, that I got away. I didn't know they were, I didn't want anything to do with this, these people. And Couple months later, the guy was beheaded. That's not normal. I can put those pieces together now. I didn't think it had anything to do with me back then, but I also know Freemasons were involved. And I now know that's probably a failed mission. So it happens, right? becomes really real when you start seeing this stuff. But somewhere along the line, Dan, I, the only fortunate part was I was valuable to them. I mean, they did try to kill me off with the cancer, but when that didn't happen, I mean, I, I think I became more valuable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just became more valuable and, and um, you know, of course, I have so many stories and I'm trying to just give you top level on some of them right now, but so well, many. I want to dial down on something that you brought up though, because this is such a, such a big, big area of conversation. Yeah. Trust. Mm. Huge. 
I'm going to make a statement and I want you to respond to the statement. Okay. Okay. So this is the statement. Um, make sure she does not trust anyone, trust God, or trust herself. So she will trust the program. What does that statement do for you? I catch my breath. It's everything the program's about. I feel it ringing through my body. I feel that the deaths of that and how it's like a truth that's woven into your cells in your brain. And the spell was only broken with Jesus. Come on. Right? Seriously. Trust him 100%. I found I could trust. I found it wasn't me. I can trust. They didn't win. I can trust. So that's really encouraging. So tell me about uh, some of these other other memories that have been surfacing. I'm trying to think of another good one. I mean, they have so many, Dan, like there's like a, as, as I'm sure a lot of people you talk to, there's a barrel of them, you know? Um, well, early okay. in the, go oh, ahead. Sorry. So, um, there is, oh my God, it's slipping my mind now, not right now, the Institute, not Monroe Institute, although that's involved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. And we'll think of it in a moment. It's all- yeah. um, uh, uh, We'll just say an institute. It's an sure. institute and you'll know it when, I, when it does pop into my mind at the right point. Mm-hmm. Um, and this institute, is known worldwide. It's based out of out of the UK, but they have a lot of um, pieces of it here in the states, in Harvard, in a lot of big universities. Um, I guarantee it's Soros-backed, and you know Rothschilds and all Tavistock. Thank mm. you, the Tavistock okay. Institute. <laughs> yeah, that one. Familiar. Thank right. you. Right, and I was really recruited. So I'm saying that's another handler. I was recruited into the Tavistock way of thinking and being to the point where I'm a woman who has no college degree, was asked and for years was a member of the teaching board at a university that's quite famous as their seer and their spiritual guide to watch what was happening as they taught leadership through the Tavistock studies in intensive work to PhDs. Why? Because I could see and I understood. And everything that they taught didn't feel good, but you start to think, but if these people that have all these degrees and do all in their, you know, 
they're recognized all over the world are thinking this way and teaching racism and separation under the guise of, we just want you to know where you stand in the world. I bought it for a while. That's how they used me for that. And they, you know, and, and they used me for the macrocosm, microcosm piece to be able to see how that worked. Mm-hmm. So my brain works, you know, until, and it was before I even woke up, everything about it just started screaming no to me. And I know that was Jesus screaming in my ear, no matter what, you know, <laughs> this isn't okay. This is wrong. Something's wrong. And then once I started working with Andrew, all those memories started really, and I, I mean, I had those memories all along, but they started coming back in a way of, oh my gosh, this is all part of those prog- that programming too. And it was programming my mind to think in a certain way. And I have a really, I have an ability through Jesus to reach a lot of people. So I think that was being um, exploited. Bring her in as part of this, reach all these people. And we go deeper, programming people to think in that way. It's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. So, and I mean, they found me in the Amazon jungle. I was down in the Amazon jungle doing shamanism. I mean, I've done it. You know, Dan, when Jesus picked me, I don't know why. (laughs) It was like, she's done it all, man. (laughs) You were doing shamanism in the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Right. I know. I mean, there's there's no shame and embarrassment at this point. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's the way it was. And Jesus appeared to me there, too. He's like, we got to help this woman. Yeah, he's like, hey, man, get her out of this place. (laughs) How old were you when you were in the Amazon? Mm. That's probably... 20 to 30 years ago because i was down on and off for a span you know yes so so and um and that's where i met up with tavistock people as well they found me there like i wouldn't have told you that before i know that now because they always knew where where i was i just always knew you couldn't get away from them not that i was trying but when i think about it nothing i did had me free from them and whatever it is that they thought they needed. So, you know, yeah, go ahead. So coming back to some of the things you brought up in the beginning, you talked about this memory, your family members are in the room. Yeah, yeah. So my mother's in the room. Um, An aunt of mine is in the room. Um, another person's in the room, a guy that I um, now believe is my father. My father that I grew up with wasn't my father. In fact, I even witnessed, Jesus showed me a picture of witnessing that this was done under magic, you know, of them, my mother getting, and we know that she cheated, but was with him. and, And this is, it was done under magic. And now that I didn't see, only Jesus showed me that. And, and here I am, but they're all in the room. 
when these things are going on. Sometimes some of the neighbors, because I lived in a, in a, in a one thing that I do remember is that there were witches and witchcraft around mm. when I was young. Mm. You know, I didn't know about the Satans, but I knew about like, I was always nervous around some of the people. They were witches, man. And they would threaten and then bury eggs in the ground near your house. Like, you know, I mean, there's stuff going on. But I didn't know the full amount of it. So seeing these people in the room and seeing these beings. And again, Moloch. Moloch shows up far more for me than any of the others. And, you know, Moloch being in the room. And these dedications dedications to him bride of moloch yay you know of course we cleared that thank you dan duval for having those prayers <laughs> <laughs> we got prayers for that <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know but being dedicated to these beings so those are some of the memories that came back and that's when these dissociated parts like just couldn't cope and sometimes there were many, you know, in, in, in any of those instances, oh my. you know, and having them heal again, another path to, to wholeness and having Jesus come in and say, and stand between me and what I could remember in my vision, because once you see it, you can't forget it. Sure. Right? And then he just stands in between and the cleansing, you know, just, just begins. And uh, yeah, I think it was hard to accept that all those people were involved. And yet, and yet, I don't have a relationship with my mother. She hates me. She always hated me. She hated me since I was a kid. Okay. That explains it now. You know, I didn't know why my family all didn't accept me and hated me. I didn't understand it. It's because of all this, you know, and um, he didn't live like the rest of my family, even as a child. So all these moments of, trust me, I'm gonna let you down. You're not good enough. You're never good enough. You're, um, it's your fault. That's a big one. It's your fault. I mean, that's one of the biggest programs aside from the one you said before, you know, it's your fault. And when you grow up feeling that way and believing that way, you stay small. And even though I think my spirit has a desire always for expansion and bigness, but when your soul is told, if I'm using the correct words, you know, but that's how I use them. And when my soul and my body's told, no, you're not good. You're, you know, you're not good enough. It's your fault. There's this constriction that it comes. Talk about chronic fatigue again and all these other things that that come up and and don't feel so good. You know? I've also been left with, and I still have this in my system. I there's, you know, my physical body has diabetes. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my family has it didn't come from anywhere. It's not genetic in my lineage or anything like that. Where did it come from? Well, I know that diabetes in the body is about a lack of sweetness in life. I finally know why. That's going to heal. Jesus already told me it's healed. He'll come. (laughs) 
it, you know, and I, and I, I trust that completely. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, and I feel it and I know it, but my blood sugar was an issue even when I was a kid. Interesting. Lack of sweetness. So, so many, you know, I'm, I'm skipping around, but at the same time, answering your question of, you know, how, um, how did some of this attacking show up and, and, you know, the way that I was physically weighed down before I knew what it was and before my great healing of cancer, when I started to really see spirits all over the place, you know, and, um, and my eyes were opened immediately. I mean, everything happened all at once. So, but I still didn't understand the whole process. And that's where Bride has been so amazing in that to really um, give good meaning to what's out there, the third heaven, the second heaven, the first heaven, and the principalities and what's going on. And to have that understanding, it was like everything got put into place for me. I'm sorry if I'm skipping around, Dan. Well, no, no. I, it's, it, hey, I mean, it all has value and relevance. And and and, and I was just, I was curious if you were able to figure out, or if you know, and maybe not. You know, everyone's at a different point. But at the point you're at, have you been able to figure out who sold your like sold you out to the government projects? Was was there a payoff that you were able to map? Was there ever a connect point or does it just the memories kind of move into that? And I would love to know that. I don't know that at this point, although I do feel that there mm -hmm. was a, I have a sense that there was a contract also made before I was born. Sure. That's my sense. Although I haven't tracked that or, or approach that subject yet, but I really feel that, that that's when it began. Wow. So here you are, all you wanted to do was get activated to do the rest of the prayers and prayers <laughs> to shake heaven and earth. <laughs> Dan, I wanted an archie. <laughs> this is so fun. I mean, look, I, I'm an advocate for survivors. I'm here to, to make sure the children of God step into their inheritance. And, you know, when I was writing that book, I was like, this is, this is probably kind of like cruel and unusual punishment. Like here's some great prayers, but you can't use them yet. Look us up, figure it out like that. It, but it's, it was what I was led to do. It was like, no, put them in there and tell the people like, find out why this language exists. And, uh, you know, you are just, for me, evidence that like there is fruit yeah. even in this. And, you know, I'm rejoicing that you have been able to connect with one of the coaches on our platform and, and, um, you know, Andrew is amazing. And um, I want to, I want to, ask you this question like now now that we're talking and, and you've been able to share all of this about your personal testimony what what do you want the person that's listening to you that is where you were two years ago what do you want what what do you want her to know what i mean oh my gosh that today is a new day mm. this is the beginning of a new 
life. Like, and it's not, it's, it's a path. Mm -hmm. It's not difficult. Not when Jesus is there. It's not difficult. It's challenging to the conscious mind, but oh my gosh, the rewards are beyond the foundation that you will know in your own life is beyond the, the trust that you can have in God and in Jesus absolutely beyond to know that you're loved, to know that you're supported and to know that you have the power and the authority to clean house. Come on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Would you like to preach a little harder sister? Okay. <laughs> Turning bright red. <laughs> oh, but it's what I feel, man, from my heart. Like, I don't have any regrets about what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's sometimes this, this idea of um, who would I be if it wasn't for all that? And I don't think the answer matters. You know, it, it's, it, thank God it's in the past. And thank God it happened that way. And it happened at the perfect time to be able to be an attribute on this planet for what's going on. So, so for me, it's, it's sheer perfection, even if it, it's like, you know, and you know this, what they designed to hurt and kill and, and maim us, God just turns around and turns it into gold, man. God just turns it into gold. And that's it. You know, I mean, I think there's nothing better to say than that's just the way it happens. And, and, and to take everything that has, whoever's listening, what's come at you, what you know about, what you don't know about, it can all be turned to gold. Once, once you're, you're, you're back into your kingdom in God, everything turns to gold. Beautiful. You know, on, on that note, um, yeah, we've just had the privilege of of meeting Morgan, and I, I'm sure you're going to have a lot more to say a year from now as all of these pieces continue to come into play. I just want to remind you, listeners, you know, um, I'm not really doing much coaching anymore. Yeah, if you go on coach.broadmovement.com, you look at my profile, not not going to find a spot. It's very unlikely, but we have trained amazing people. And, and if you're thinking, wow, I would like to get helped like Morgan, um, coach.bradmovement.com. And we're continuing to train people every year. We, we do a class um, and, and we're actually at coach.bradmovement.com. We're still taking applications until September 31st. So, um, you know, if, if you are called to be a helper like you know i am training people because the lord is extraordinary in the way that he's bringing fruit into the the lives of folks right now i i it's just so exciting and and for the survivors that um are are listening to this and 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 you are thinking i would really like to be trained, but I don't know that I'm ready to help other people. We actually started a whole new program. It's called Overcomer Accelerated. And it is like the, the, the training program is similar to what I put the coaches through, except without grades. 
and without written paper requirements, um, a learning experience in a cohort just to learn more about dissociation and this whole world so that healing is empowered and accelerated. That's that's literally the purpose of that whole program. And you can look that up at, at dandeval.com. So same place you can get a shirt like the one I'm wearing <laughs> with all the names of God. Look, there's a lot of cool things happening. Um, Morgan, you have been amazing. Thank you. Bless you. And thank you for blessing my life, Dan. Until next time, folks, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.